0: Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill-Smith, and this is a podcast about all of the dumb things that people will do for love.
1: (laughs) So welcome to episode 23. Yeah. Yeah. We're here. We're here. Today's uh, been a special day. Today is a special day. We have a special <laughs> guest in the podcast studio with us. It's my three year old. The
0: power <laughs> is out all around Atlanta. Luckily, not here. Yeah. Not here. recording, but everywhere. Yeah. The power's out. It's also like the coldest day in
1: Atlanta. Yeah. It's 40 degrees, which is not that cold, but it also is not good when you have, you know, little kids in a building that is. No, has no power so I had to go pick up Max from daycare and now he's here with Jen and I we have but, a little buddy yep we have a little buddy so if you hear a little a voice or uh, me or a meow yeah he you hear little a meows it's definitely my <laughs> child who thinks he's a cat <laughs> he's so cute oh my yeah. gosh
0: should we just give it into our quickies? Yeah, let's just go right into them. Let's do Which it. Cuz we got to get through this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a great one, guys. It's going to be a great it's one. It's so great. Okay, I start this week. Uh, quickies. Quickies. Oh man. This is a crazy story. All right. But it ends You're getting right into it. Really great. All right. Yeah. That's my favorite kind. Okay. So, Christine Jo Miller from Lincoln, Nebraska, was getting married to her soon-to-be husband, John, on uh, September 2nd, 2017. So before her wedding, she decided to do one of those DIY-type things, which, you know, I have lots of friends that have picked their own flowers for... Oh, yeah. 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 It's, like, kind of sweet, you know? Yeah. You, you just go around and you pick flowers for your wedding, so... Um, do you mean, like, from the fields
1: Yeah. okay. Yeah, like wildflowers
0: (laughs) or whatever. I was like, I also picked my own flowers. From the florist?
1: (laughs) No, well, yeah, yeah. From (laughs) my my mom's friend.
0: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) who was a florist. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. (laughs) No, she like went and picked like wildflowers, I guess. They're called green and white snow on the mountains. And they are really pretty. And there's a picture of her holding them like all proud of these flowers. Yeah. But what she didn't know... Was that They were highly Poisonous Oh no Yes And (laughs) And that's why You get as an expert (laughs) Yeah 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 That's why That's why you go To the floors But um So within 15 minutes There was a huge Rash on her face And it started to spread Like down her neck And arms And an hour later Her eyes were burning Apparently her aunt Is a nurse And gave her steroids And Benadryl Was this on her wedding day? Yeah on her wedding day So there's a picture Of her You know Sitting there In her like Wedding robe And people doing her hair And she's holding cucumbers to her <laughs> eyelids because her eyes were burning so bad and she was trying oh. to do whatever she could to yeah. make it go away but they didn't work and it sh- her eyes were so blurry she couldn't even see anything and they couldn't do her makeup because it just the tears just kept right dripping it all off so her mom tried to take her to an urgent care but when they got there she discovered the urgent care was closed and so her mom asked her you know do you still want to go through with the ceremony And um, she said yes because there were 300 people there, like, waiting. And just like our story last year, it was like, wedding train left the station. Yep. (laughs) Did I say last year or last week? You said last year, but it was last week. (laughs) So she decided that she was just going to go through with the wedding. So she did, and she was able to, like, get her dress on and go through the ceremony. But right after the ceremony ended, she whispered to her fiancé, John, Um, she was like we have to go straight to the hospital oh my god and so uh, could you imagine if someone said if "Uh." your husband said that to you like Now pronounce you man and wife. We have to go to the hospital right now. Right.
1: And she's like, you know, how you just said in sicknesses and health. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to test that. <laughs> Let's go.
0: They immediately hopped into John's truck and he took her to the hospital and they ended up giving her a shot and some eye drops. But then they told her that she was lucky that she didn't have any permanent eye damage because of yeah. so poisonous. Oh my God. Um, yeah. And then so she was so sleepy because of the medication right. or whatever that he on the way back, he stopped at Target and bought her some pajamas to wear to the reception. So so cute. (laughs) And there's pictures of her at the reception, you know, in her pajamas. Yeah. Slow dancing, which is so sweet. And he was so nice Um, and like such a great, sweet, loving husband. And apparently right after they cut the cake, they went straight back to their hotel and Christine passed out. And they ordered a pizza and ate it in bed. So that was their wedding night, which isn't, you know, how they planned. Right, right, right. It's not how she envisioned when she invited 300 people to her wedding. Right. This was like
1: how it was going to end up. Yeah.
0: So here's the cool part. Someone just happened to hear about this story. Uh Uh-huh. None other than Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey! Steve Harvey! (laughs) You know, famous talk show host Steve Harvey and bajillionaire. Yeah. Well, he, host of every show of everything (laughs) owner of everything so anyway so he saw it and he decided to bring them on his show you know to talk about you know the situation or whatever and then he surprised them with a week-long Disney dream wedding redo and he officiated their wedding oh isn't that crazy (laughs) I would put poison in my eyes for Steve Harvey to officiate my wedding and to give you a like a whole big wedding week. Yeah, and it was like it wasn't even at regular Disney. It was at like the Alani. I think it's called Alani, and yeah, um, in. Uh, Hawaii, which is oh, so, so much expensive. better. Yeah, so they got to go to Hawaii, and he officiated their wedding, and they did the ceremony all over again, and it was so great. And then um, right after their honeymoon, they found out, after their new honeymoon, they yeah. found out that they were pregnant with their first baby. Aww. And so this was in 2017, so I'm sure the baby was born by now. So, But I, I there's no follow-up pictures of the cute cuteness come on steve harvey give Actually, us some baby pictures No, this was in 2018 march of 2018 the baby was born in september so the baby was just born okay right? no last no, year last year the baby's one. i'm bad at math i'm so bad at math <laughs> but uh, this article i forgot to say up top that the article was written for people magazine by aaron hill which is pretty awesome thank you aaron thank hill. you aaron hill isn't that crazy? I love it, and it's funny because just last night I was just telling Sally before I got here I had an allergic reaction. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I was like, maybe you, maybe Steve Harvey will be like, "Where's my Steve Harvey?" Be like, Jen, I know you didn't miss your wedding, but you do miss red wine. I do. I just, <laughs> I
0: think I'm allergic to red wine now. Last night I had a glass, and my whole bro- face broke out in hives, and I got crazy sleepy and fell asleep immediately. I could I could have just been really tired? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe but. maybe Steve Harvey will like. Take hear you to Disney this.
1: and give you some, like, a huge bottle of red wine. Yeah,
0: hear this, Steve Harvey. <laughs> I need a do-over. Jen needs
1: a do-over.
0: She needs a do-over I overnight. need a last night do-over, but I needed to be in Hawaii. Can you make that happen, sir? Also, can I go too? Yes. Yeah, for me and Sally. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> you guys, start a, start a, um, a Twitter campaign. Yeah, to Get a Steve Harvey. Jen misses her wine. <laughs> yes. thank you. All right, you ready for my quickie? Yes. Okay, so mine comes from The Guardian by Charlotte Graham Clay. So I, okay, I fear that I am like on the verge of becoming an animal person because my cookie <gasps> this week is about another animal. Oh my
0: God, you are on the verge of becoming an animal. I'm just going to surprise you with a puppy. You won't even know. <laughs> I probably will. Max will be
1: stoked. Max will be, Max will be excited. I probably would also love it, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, so this one is about an albatross. Named Rob.
0: Aw. So Rob is I'm a, sorry, what is an albatross? What is an it It's It's one of those birds that has this very
1: long wingspan. Oh, I'm not into
0: it. Not in hate it. birds. <laughs> oh, I hate right? birds. Love animals, hate birds.
1: That's right. I hate I, them. I, I forgot about <laughs> your hate of bir- Your hatred of birds. Well, maybe this one will make you love birds. Okay, okay, okay. So Rob is a royal albatross, which is Whoa, one of so New- yeah. So New Zealand. He lives in New Zealand. He's one of New Zealand's. It's the only breeding colony that's on the mainland. Mm-hmm. And Rob has been unlucky in love. He has had like a real dry spell, like a ten-year dry spell. And his bird. He's a bird. Yeah.
0: Who's keeping track of his love life? That they know that he has had a ten-year. Dry spell,
1: uh, ecologists and I guess. conservationists, bird watchers. The, I think because this is like the only colony on the mainland, this is like, like the only breeding colony. Like the, it's like watched very carefully.
0: Uh-huh. Um, so the way that albatross relationship <laughs> life was watched carefully, <laughs> we're like Sally's from, You're like, damn, having a rough year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're like, it's not. It's not conservationists. It's just like. Rob's albatross mom, who's yeah. just like, Rob, are you never not going to bring anybody home for Thanksgiving again?
0: <laughs> it's those two old ladies that sit on lawn chairs in the front yard that yeah. just watch, like, there goes that Rob again. <laughs> He's so unlucky and love. He's so handsome, but nobody's taken. <laughs> um,
1: Sorry. Yeah,
0: but no, they're basically,
1: it's, you're basically right. This is <laughs> So the way that the albatross relationships work is that once. The chicks are born. They leave the colony. Albatrosses spend most of their lives flying over the ocean. And then they return to the colony when they're five or six years old to mate. And then they start hanging out, kind of looking for a partner.
0: Oh, okay. And some of
1: them find one the first year. If not, they leave and they return the next year. Like they go. They only come and mate once a year at this colony. And after they find someone, then they have like three or four years of courtship before they are ready to lay an egg together. So it's like a long process. And so then once they decide to mate, they share a lengthy incubation process where they guard the egg and then they guard the new chick. So it's like a whole thing. So Robert had like partners in the past, but four of his previous loves had died. Oh no. While others had just like not stuck. Like they just never... Got to them, they just weren't that. Into they him. just weren't that into him. And the one ecologist said, "To look at him, he's not much different from any other bird. Uh-huh. Like we're looking, but we're not looking through a bird's eyes. Maybe his song isn't quite right, and nobody likes it." Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, man, that's kind of hard on Rob. Yeah. Rob was like had been trying too. He was like trying to find a mate. Like he had been the first bird to return to the colony
0: for several years.
1: Aww, but he had like a
0: little bow tie on and a box of chocolate, <laughs> right? So and like, they were like, "Oh, Rob I had the a first okay one of ears. flowers."
1: <laughs> we were like, "We're just still setting up for the party." Aww. Rob's like, oh, are, we uh, are there uh, any ladies?" <laughs> So like over the last 10 years, like ecologists who are watching this colony had like started a betting pool Uh of like when Rob would find someone and one like suggests a lonely albatross profile on Tinder. Um, Uh But Rob, just like people who are going to Thanksgiving every year and their Aunt Mary is like, I'm going to set you up with like my my friend Nancy's son, you know, or whatever. (laughs) Like Rob found... Love on his own. Oh, good for Rob. And he settled down with a new mate this year who the ecologists say she also had a bit of a checkered past, which means I think she had a couple partners that died and she couldn't find anyone. So it turns out he was just waiting for the right albatross who could understand his baggage to
0: come along. Aww. And now he has. Good for Rob. Where good do for you Rob. get these stories? I'm like on murder, like... <laughs> Our uh, websites and animal Animal, loving. You're an animal
1: Planet. <laughs> <laughs> Animallovin'.com. I don't know. That's
0: probably a really awful website. You're going to end up <laughs> on some kind of bestiality site. Yep. Well, quick. that's where I find them. Be careful. <laughs> Good story, though. Good story. Hey, Sally. Yes, Jen. Are you ready
1: for my crazy story for I'm this week? So ready for your crazy story. I feel like you always bring <sighs> the twisty and turniest crazy stories well i really like this one well i'm so excited Um, okay
0: so this one i got from a abc news article a daily mail article and also i don't know why we haven't been diving into this pool of information before but why are we not into who the bleep did i marry I don't know what that is. I, it's a show. I love this show. It's called yeah. Who the Bleep Did I Marry? And it's on Investigation Discovery. And it's about people that marry someone they turn yeah. out to be different. than I thought. That sounds amazing. I know. Okay. Well, I was like, what have we been doing for the
1: last 23 <laughs> episodes? Well, we've been like, you know, getting through Snapped and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, going through all the Datelines, which are always about relationships. Oh, and, I know. The one yeah. I'm
0: listening to right now is... Are you like, I gotta I gotta use this for the pod? Yeah, but I gotta wait like 10 weeks, so it's right. not Right, so weird. people forget it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: so it's not like, and- hey, I'm just recapping that, you know, Dateline episode you just listened to? That's what I'm going to talk about today. Yeah, Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway, let's get started. Okay, so Andy Nash was 34 years old and living in Minnesota and had a few relationships, but nothing ever worked out. He was like Rob. Yeah, she was like Rob. There's oh, a she, woman! Okay. yeah, she and was like Andy Rob with an IE. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. She was engaged twice, but nothing ever worked out. So in June of 2008, she decided to try online dating. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that it was PlentyofFish.com, just based off of all of the innuendos that "Who the bleep did I marry you?" Oh, <laughs> like she, they were like she decided to go fishing in an online pond <laughs> and suddenly found a catch. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was plenty fish. But anyway, <laughs> but her friend sent her this profile of a man named Simon Reed. He was 42, good-looking, and he said he was looking for a serious relationship. And so she reached out to him, and he responded a few days later asking her to get tea because uh, oh, he was British, nice. so he was really oh. playing it up. And she was like, oh, this is so exotic. Yeah. And then they ended up meeting at a pub, and it was like, I get it, dude. You're British. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's just a bar. It's just a bar. Like, we get it. Okay, so Simon had been married before in England, and he was um, was divorced, and he was living in the States for about seven years. And uh, he owned part of a construction company, and he was very charming, very nice. And they made plans to go on a second date. Yeah. She was super into him, I he right. was into her. But then Simon all of a sudden had to call her to tell her that, Unfortunately, he couldn't make it because a drunk driver ran through his yard and that he would have he had to, like, deal with all this stuff. And now he'd have to stay at his friend's house and move all the stuff. He still continued to, like, talk to her while yeah. he was going through this process. And on the second date, he ended up giving her a letter saying, you know, let's just cut to it. I hate all of these games. Mm-hmm. I've never felt this way about a woman. I know that it's super early, but I already feel like I'm falling in love with you. And Did- she was like, I hate games, too i love you <laughs> wow yeah wait did he did he hand her the letter on the second date
1: like yeah he was, like, i it on the, to the her, second date and then he watched the her read it
0: i hope not i hope he had the decency <laughs> to hand it to her and walk away and just be like i'm gonna be like, like, go home i'm gonna hit the drone <laughs> open this when i've gone inside and yeah. shut the door and you've driven away open it when you get home i hope i hope I he hope. didn't sit there and watch her read it and she was like didn't say. I,
1: I, I also love you. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but apparently she loved him back. So yeah. So she was into it. All right. Their relationship progressed super fast. And he, you know, was, showered her with affection and her friends loved him. Everyone thought he was great. And I'm willing to bet it was 90% because he was British. Yeah. <laughs> everyone loves a British dude. Fourth of July weekend, they had plans to watch the fireworks, but Simon never showed up, which was very strange yeah and she didn't know what was going on and then the next day he called her and he said that he had an accident at work and he fell off of a roof and had to go to the hospital but was like you know please forgive me i'm so sorry that i didn't and um and then she felt bad that you know she got upset with him for not being at the fireworks and then she ended up actually apologizing to him for overreacting because she didn't Consider that maybe he fell off a roof that that. Right, and couldn't get to a right. phone or <laughs> right. couldn't
1: have someone text her.
0: Yeah. He was he was preoccupied. Okay. With his roof. So they were back together and then one day he decided to take her on a shopping spree and like he showered her with gifts and stuff and he told her that he wanted to marry her. Let me ask you um, this. Has anyone ever taken
1: you on a shopping spree? No.
0: Me neither. I want I know. And then like, do you ever just get like a bonus or a paycheck and you're like I'm going to treat myself and then you go that's always when you go to the store and you, nothing fits nothing, nothing. yeah
1: no I, I'm like I'm like I'm famous for being like not famous in my own mind
0: <laughs> you are <laughs> famous, famous. I'm famous, famous,
1: to- in, famous in my own mind for being like I'm gonna buy myself something I'm gonna treat myself and then going to the store and picking all these things up and walking around with it and as I'm walking around you I put decide, it all back yeah because I'm like. I don't really need that. Where am I going to wear that? I I know. I I can't spend this money on this. And then putting it all back and then leaving feeling like sad and
0: nothing. Same. And like with nothing. (laughs) I know. I do the same thing. But we really should treat ourselves well. We should go on a shopping spree. Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey. Take us on a shopping spree. Did you know that I had an allergic reaction last night and me and (laughs) Sally have never been on a shopping spree? God. We need a do-over. Come on. Uh, Anyway, or just let us be on the family feud. Okay. Yeah, that's cool, too. So then they were super in love and yeah. la-di-da and considering getting married. And then one day, Simon called her um, all frantic, saying that his dog had been hit by a car And he was rushing him to a vet and that they had to do surgery on the dog. And he said he'd check back in with her, but he never responded for like two days. Okay. You know, and she started to get upset because she was like, you know, I want to help you Mm -hmm. and I want to be there for you. You have to at least communicate with me. And then, of course, he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like my dog almost died. You can't be mad at me. I got stuck. Right. I've
1: got I'm like the unluckiest guy in the whole yeah, world. Like
0: and then she, of course she was like, You're right, I'm so sorry. Yeah. You know? Like make so Gaslight, she felt like gaslight, she, gaslight. Exactly. Yeah. After a few days, he disappeared again. And then she was like, Hmm, something's not right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, why? Because you've known him three months and this is the tenth time he's disappeared. So oh, anyway. this is only
1: over three months?
0: Yeah, like yeah, it wasn't very long. Oh. Well a few months, I would say. Yeah. So then she was like, something's not right. And then she started to realize, like, I actually don't know a lot about this guy. Like, I don't even know where he lives. because She's
1: engaged to him and she's never been to his Well, house. they talked
0: about getting married, but they weren't officially okay. engaged. Um, but, yeah, like, she because she never went to his house because of the whole thing about, like, the drunk driver ran through the yard. and oh, so right. Now so she was, like... He's displaced. She's never even been to his home. And then one day... She gets a phone call, but this Uh time it's not from Simon. It's from a woman that is Uh like, is this Andy? Are you with Simon? And she tells her that she's looking for Simon, too, um, because she is his wife. Yes. Dun, dun, I mean, no. Dun. Yeah. Yes. You knew it was yeah. coming. Yeah. I knew something was coming. Yeah. yeah. So his wife told her that on the 4th of July, her and Simon actually went out of town to visit family. So he had that was when he told her that he fell off the roof. So he was he never was, coming. He had not fell off a roof. Yeah. He was in yeah, He they had were fallen
1: into his wife's car and then they drove to her parents. Yes. House. <laughs> yes.
0: And then she also told Andy that there was no drunk driver ever, like their house is fine and that their dog is fine. And yeah. that he is just like a big fat idiot liar. So he's a liar. So Andy had this blog, like most people, uh-huh. and the blog is called Andy Pants. And she decided on her blog that she was going to put up a picture of Simon and warn people about this POS. Yeah. Because we have to. Um, center to ourselves today because little Maxie Poo is right next to Oh, me. do we? Yeah, oh, okay. So, right? Yeah, I mean... Don't you want to? Sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it never crossed my mind, but I guess... I guess yes. I mean, yes, I definitely do all the time. <laughs> He's definitely never heard me say fuck or shit or any of
0: those words. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, like, for... I I worked retail for like forever, so POS to me means point of sale, yeah, that's and whenever what I... people say POS, I'm like point of sale. <laughs> <laughs> what? Anyway, so um, piece of shit. Okay, okay. Um, so nine months later a girl named joe ward in england reached out to andy and said that she was a victim of his as well oh, um, man. yeah so after the whole thing with his wife catching him and um andy realizing that he was a liar and a cheater yeah he fled to the uk and like left andy and his wife So yeah, while he was in North Devon in England, he met Joanne Ward in the restaurant where he worked as a pub waiter. So they dated for a month and then she invited him to live in the cabin on the grounds of her home. I guess she had like a lot of land. Oh, fancy Joanne. All right. Simon like lied to her about a million things. He said that he owned like five properties and that he was super wealthy and he told her that his father was seriously ill. And that he and his stepmother had decided to turn off his life support machine, which had caused a huge family rift. And that's why he was cut out of his father's will. Like, all these crazy lies. It's like, why? He, why? Because why? he's a compulsive liar. Yeah. And, he told, and he told her that he was a climbing instructor on top mm-hmm. of being super wealthy and that he worked all over Europe. So he convinced her... To help him set up a business selling climbing equipment, and that he had entered a contest which could lead to the Olympic finals in China. I know this sounds all over the place, but this is a list of the lies that he right. told her. Yeah, um, because he's all over the place. Right. Um, so then, where
1: don't you ever, don't you wonder like when when you hear these stories about compulsive liars, or if you have compulsive liars in your life, like it's like where do these stories come from? Like I where know. it's so random. And so unnecessary, the dog dying and the drunk driver through the front yard. It's like, did
0: you just hear somebody else talking about that? Or like... Well, it sounds like he, he he like made up a lot of stories to make people feel bad for him, too, yeah, you know what I mean? like being cut out of the will and the stepmother turning off the life support machine and right he said that he, and then he said that he had a sprained ankle and had to go to a specialist sports clinic in London and then um, Joanne paid for a five day vacation in which she pushed him around in a wheelchair the whole time. <gasps> And he wasn't injured? Probably not. I mean, because he's a liar. Oh, that's like beyond. Right. But you got a free vacation and you got this woman to push you around in a wheelchair? Yeah. That's like oh, some yeah, crazy yeah. weirdo mind control. Just like, what can yeah. I get somebody else to do for me? Yeah. He's super, like, he controls these women. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Oh, uh, yeah, so anyway, so she had given him all this money, you know, not only for his for his rock climbing business, mm-hmm. but she also gave him access to her credit card, which was a big mistake oh, huge mistake. and then she paid for you know give him a free place to live and pushed him around a wheelchair. <laughs> (laughs) Wheelchairs are very expensive. So anyway, so all in all, he took $26,000 of her money and disappeared. So Andy and Joe were communicating about him or whatever. And then another comment came through on her blog from a woman named Nicola Hillary. I mean, her blog is blowing up. Yeah, dude. Lots of hits for the blog. So she was dating him for three months and she noticed that things started to seem fishy with him. Like, uh-huh. his li- she was smart enough about his lies didn't make any sense. And so she decided to do an internet search and that's how Andy's blog popped up. So I and- don't want to tell him how to live his life, his
1: lies, uh-huh. but he should use a different name. Like, he shouldn't go by the same name. Yeah. Because I think that's... Like, if you Google someone, things are going to pop up. So, yeah. Just Dirty like,
0: John did that. Use different names. I feel like names. one of these days we've got to do Dirty John's... No, Dirty John... Well, no, Dirty John used the same name, I mean. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's maybe... Yeah, it's so weird. So, Andy then introduced Nicola to Joe, and then the three women got together, and then they decided, like, we've got to take this guy down. Yeah. Together. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so... In a crazy turn of events, Nicola was also telling a a friend about this guy that she was dating and how the women were going to take him down. And then her friend was like, wait a second. I think my friend's dating this guy.
1: <gasps> yes. No. So
0: L- Laura Buckingham was dating Simon. And another woman was dating Simon. And she lived down the street from Nicola. Like the balls. Like at the same time? Or- yes. Wow. At the same exact time, she lived right down the street. And he was dating the both of them. Well, that's very convenient. I know. I mean, For if him, you're going to date yeah. two people. You I know. mean, because... Less, his wheelchair can just go up. <laughs> and on the so Laura was on a dating website. So he told her that he was a drug and alcohol worker and like he didn't make much money because he was like so selfless and helping oh, right, all right, these right. people. So when he invited her over to his house, he was, she saw that he was just sleeping in a sleeping bag on the floor. So she bought him like curtains, a TV, household items, like all this stuff. Like she spent about two grand on him when they reached out to her that she found out that he was dating all these, uh, this other woman. So when these women reached out to Laura, they all asked, you know, do you want to be in on this plan to take this guy down? And she was like, hell yes. I yeah. Do. Was she dating hell. him yeah. currently? Yes. When they reached out to her? Yeah. So she was currently dating him and the other woman was currently dating him but had questions. Remember? Uh, Oh. Okay So that's why she googled and found Andy. I just didn't
1: know if like when the plan was coming together, if they were she was still with him.
0: Yeah. So they were Okay. Yeah, so they and they used that to to lure him in. in. And then there was actually another woman involved. But this woman wanted to remain anonymous, so there is no information on what... We just know there was another woman, but we don't know her name or anything. So busy. Yeah. So they made a plan for all the women to meet at Laura's house because she had plans to meet Simon. And they had a journalist – I don't know who the journalist was friends with, but one of them, I think it might have been Joe, had a journalist friend come also to be there and, like, tape the whole thing. Andy couldn't be there, unfortunately, because she was in the States. But Joe had her son sitting outside in a car down the street, keeping watch to let the women know when he was coming. Yeah, Simon gets to the house – and Laura greets him asking, acting like nothing's wrong. Like, uh-huh. hey, how are you? How was your day? And then when Simon comes around the kitchen, he sees all of the women standing there. Yeah. And you can, like, Google this video. And he, his <laughs> response, he just goes, oh, hello. Like, he's just like, that's it. He sits down with the women. And for two hours... They just grill him on every single lie that he's ever told. Like some of the other dumb lies he told was that he was a father of a hero RAF helicopter pilot who had lost both of his legs and an arm after being shot down in Afghanistan. He told another woman that his father was terminally ill and on life support. And then, um, you know, and then he told the other... Joe that he was an international client. Like all they like listed off every single lie that he's ever told. And he totally admitted that he was a compulsive liar. And he said, Quote, I don't really know what the truth is for me anymore. I know it's wrong when I'm doing it. I just don't know how to stop myself. And he tried to play like a victim. Right. Of course. Like, I don't know why I do the things to do. I never meant to lie to anyone. I don't know what love is because I just the way need a that, good woman to help yeah, me. Yeah. The way I grew up, I just never learned. And so on the tape, he actually confessed that he did take money from Joe. Like yeah. so, he did. He was like, "Yeah, I did. I took that money from you, and you know, and because he, he had promised to pay her back um, with investments that he never had these investments. Right. You know what I mean? Oh. So because he um, admitted to that on the tape, he was able to be arrested for fraud. <gasps> Yeah. yeah. So in November 2010, he was arraigned for fraud and sentenced to 30 months in jail. You can see his name is everywhere. You know to watch out for this guy, Simon right. Reed, and you could see the video if you want. Andy eventually moved on and found a nice charming new man. Joe fought the credit card companies and was able to recoup most of her money. So that's some updates on yeah. them, and then all of the women are now lifelong friends because once you go through that Together. Right. How could you not be? I brand? love it. Yeah. It's crazy. So that's the end of the story. But. That's a good one. Is it? Okay. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Is yeah. it? No, it's great. Like, I've heard of, there's so many stories about there about women banding together and yeah like taking these guys down and I think that it's great oh yeah it always
1: just makes me so like yes
0: yeah <laughs> look at them <laughs> and, and like because it always makes me sad when there are women that because I know of other people too that have been in relationships and then if they hear that they're with another girl and then the women pit against each yes. other and it's like don't get mad at each other get it mad at the liar right you Simon Reid yeah, Simon Reed. And also how, you yeah, know, everybody Maybe else. change your name when you get out of prison. Or don't so or don't. everybody knows who you are.
1: <laughs> hey Jen. Hey Sally. Are you ready for my story? Yeah. It's a love story, but it's a love story about friendship. Oh, yay. Because um, like ever since our our friend Diane Gallagher wrote in with her hilarious love story, I've been wanting to do a, a friendship story because oh, yeah. like that is, for me, one of like the best loves of my life, you know, or like the love of my friends. Absolutely. I got my information from an article in The Telegraph UK by Harry Welp, Happy Full Magazine by Lucy Donahue, and the book uh, The Stranger on the Bridge by Johnny Benjamin and Britt Fluger. So my love story today is a story of a stranger who transformed a life and a friendship that has then gone on to transform the lives of many others. It's the story of our friendship, Jen.
0: Oh, is it? No. (laughs) It's like, wait, what? You're
1: like, wow, have we been transforming lives and I didn't know? I had no idea. I mean, it's like very similar, but um, mm-hmm. <laughs> like have people been writing about us? <laughs> no, this is a story of Johnny Benjamin and Neil Laburn. And I want to give a trigger warning to people who are listening that this story um, talks about attempted suicide. So if that's something that you don't want to hear about, you can just skip it um, and then come back next week and see what we have the, for you then. Yeah. So Johnny and Neil met for the first time in early 2008 when Neil was on his way to work in London as a physical trainer. And it was a cold, rainy day, and his walk to work took him over the Waterloo Bridge, which is where he saw Johnny sitting um, in just a t-shirt. And it was a freezing, cold, rainy day. And so for Neil, it was a it immediately clicked why Johnny was there. He knew that he was looking at a young man who was thinking about jumping off the bridge. And Johnny had started hearing voices in his head when he was just 11 years old. And the voices became increasingly scary. And he got to the point where he actually believed he was being filmed and monitoring at every minute of every day oh, wow. by hidden cameras. And so he was so – but he was so scared and paranoid and ashamed that he – didn't tell anybody about the voices until it became... They, his family couldn't ignore it until he was 20 years old. Oh, wow. So can you just imagine living for nine years with that and no. trying to keep it a secret and try to appear normal and um, like nothing is wrong with you? And so it actually just a month before that day on the bridge, he had been diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder, which is a combination of schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. Oh, wow. And that very morning, Johnny had left a psychiatric hospital... With the intention of dying by suicide. So when Neil saw him from far away on the bridge, he knew what was happening. Like he knew, you know, but he never thought that he would reach Johnny first. There were Mm -hmm. so many people walking on the bridge that morning, but no one else even gave a passing glance to him. So when Neil got to Johnny, he asked him just a simple question. He was like, are you all right? And Johnny responded, no, he wasn't. And Neil continued to sit there and talk to Johnny for about 45 minutes. And eventually, Johnny told him about his diagnosis and how he didn't really think it was something that he could live with. And Neil looked Johnny in the eye wow. and told him, I really believe you can get better. And there was something just about how Neil said it that like reached Johnny at that moment in his life. And when Neil suggested that he move away from the edge of the bridge and that maybe they go get coffee together, Johnny agreed. And at that point... Once he moved away from the edge of the bridge, there were police officers there who had been called by another passerby, and they swooped in and took Johnny to a hospital. And that was the last they talked to each other. Neil left the bridge alone, just went to work. He didn't know like how to process what had just happened. He right. actually didn't tell anyone at work while he was late. He didn't tell anybody about what had happened for like quite a while until he met his fiance, his later fiance, Sarah. And he said, Neil said, I think I see it as like the syndrome of being a man. Something really big and transformational happened for my part of the interaction. I was walking by and I saw something I'd never seen. I was having a conversation about suicide for the first time in my life. And afterwards, I just did that thing that guys do. My instinct was like, put it to the back of your mind. Nobody wants to hear about your day. And I felt like it was up to me to deal with something that's happening in my own head. I now know it would have been healthier to speak to someone. And for Johnny, that day was a blur. But it was a turning point in his life, figuring out how to live with his diagnosis. Right. He said he couldn't remember anything about Neil. He didn't even know his name. He says all he could remember that he was a man. He had hair. He said things can get better and that he suggested the pair go for coffee. That was all he could remember of it. So six years later, Johnny decided that he wanted to find... The Man on the Bridge. Oh, wow. So in 2014, um, he was working with a charity called Rethink Mental Illness, and he was much healthier. He had now was managing his mental illness through a mixture of medication, physical exercise, cognitive therapy, and mindfulness. And he started a campaign with Rethink Mental Illness um, called Find Mike, which was the name he had made up for Neil because he didn't even know his oh, name. Oh, wow. So the idea was to help Johnny, like, kind of closed the door on that chapter of his life and to generate interest in mental um, health issues. And so there was some concern that the campaign would glamorize Johnny's suicide attempt and Neil's intervention. Because, you know, most suicide attempts, there isn't a person who's, like, going to swoop in and save the person, you know? But Johnny said, he's like, I'm not trying to romanticize what happened. Like, I know I was incredibly lucky, but I just want to make the point that there is help out there, there is support out there. Like Maybe it's not a stranger on a bridge, but there is somebody by phone, by email, or in person, there is someone willing to listen. And while that won't make a difference for everyone, because some people are, you know, I mean, some people will do it no matter what, but for some people who contemplate suicide, that can change their lives. Like having someone just listen to them and take an interest can make a difference, at least in that moment. So. The campaign as you can imagine like spread really quickly over social media. And in 2 days, Neil's fiance Sarah saw the story on Facebook and knew that Mike was actually Neil. Wow. And so they made the connection and they arranged to meet for a drink. And when they met, they instantly felt they both been thinking about each other for 6 years and they like they hugged for a long time and then they talked and they talked and like Even though they met in a pub, they like never stopped talking long enough to even have a drink. Uh So the two then began hanging out like kind of occasionally and then people started requesting interviews with them as a pair and they started getting asked to give talks together about mental health. And it was like during trips for these talks that they really started to form an actual friendship And it turned out that they were like a great team on stage. Energy flowed naturally. They were able to bounce things off each other. And the first talk they gave, they got a standing ovation at the
0: end.
1: And so afterwards they celebrated with fish and chips and they got drunk in a karaoke bar. It was just like every couple of months they would travel somewhere to give a talk. And it was during those after like celebrations of, wow, we're doing this thing. yeah, And how crazy Mm -hmm. is this that their real friendship grew and they became very close and To the point where they were giving talk like speaking engagements frequently enough together that in 2017, they decided that they were going to make this their full time job campaigning for mental health awareness and for suicide prevention and and for better services for the for like mental health issues. And so Johnny left his job at a nonprofit and Neil left his job as a personal trainer. And they became the face of multiple mental health in- initiatives in the UK. And they decided at that time that they were going to run the London Marathon together oh, for, wow. yeah, for the Young Royals charity called Heads Together. And their goal was to raise 100,000 pounds. So once they started, once they quitted their jobs and decided all of these, this, they had this crazy speaking engagement schedule and all the front fundraising efforts, it really put a strain on their friendship and on Johnny's mental health. And about two months into working together, Johnny had a psychotic episode in the middle of oh London, no. like in public. <sighs> and But once again, Neil was with him and he got him to the hospital. And then after he was released, they decided that in order to make this their friendship work and to make the work work that they were going to have to make their health a priority. Right. And so they ended up running the marathon together. Um, they were honored with MBEs for their services to mental health and suicide prevention by the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. Wow. Um, you might know them as Will and Kate. And they are constantly inundated by requests to speak to to speak and for and with media attention. And although this like constant focus has been rewarding for both of them. It's also been incredibly hard. And the thing that I really love about the two of them uh-huh. is that even though like, it's like everyone wants for this to be just, uh, it's a happy ending. Yeah. He got saved from the bridge and now he's he's all better. Yeah. And like they have this great friendship and look at this. This is like, everybody wants the fairy tale ending, but they are very quick to point out. No, no, no. It's a lot of work. Yes. That their, yeah. rela- their health, like Johnny's health and Neil's health and their relationship takes a lot of work and focus. And Johnny says, the reality is as with all relationships there aren't things aren't always so easy or black and white in real life like at times working together so closely is a struggle and it leads to conflict but we know how to work we are working out together we're committed to that because we believe in each other and we believe in this work and Johnny said that like after the talks, people will come up and talk to him for hours, telling him their own story of mental illness. And it can be difficult. Like he absorbs it all. And he said, there are so many people we speak to, family, friends, people who are bereaved by suicide. And every story is so tragic. And he's like, and I carry that around.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: And Neil, who is a new father, he has a six-month-old, he says he feels the stress and this incredible responsibility of what they're trying to do to work for better mental health provision and for suicide prevention support really across the world. They want to normalize conversations about mental health and self-care for men. And they've both learned that they have to make like self-care and downtime a priority for, as their lives have become more and more hectic. yeah. So part of what makes their friendship work besides their shared passion is that they have this like mutual admiration for each other. It's like that goes beyond just the happenstance of their meeting. Neil credits Johnny with helping him find his calling. Speaking on mental health issues and doing this work is what he was meant to do and he had no idea. Right. And he often talks about how Johnny's openness about his mental health has inspired so many people. Johnny actually believes Neil is the inspiration. He says that Neil has a rare talent for making someone feel heard and understood and he says, I often feel moved when he talks to youngsters who are struggling with their mental health, and he tells them they are inspirations for speaking out and getting help. I don't think he realizes the difference a few kind words can can make to people. I suppose that's the way he was with me on the bridge. After they, he says that after they were united, like Neil could have just walked away. He could have said, like, okay, I've done my bit, you know, and that would have been the end of it. And it would have been, he would have been right to do it. He says, but he embarked on this journey together with Johnny to like do something bigger than the two of them. And Johnny says like, no matter what conflicts they have, I will always remember one thing. Neil, out of all of those people on the bridge, stopped to help me that day. And that's what he's been doing ever since. It has been extraordinary. Sometimes I forget and I remind myself, I will be forever grateful.
0: Oh, and that's my love story. That's awesome. I love that love story. Yeah. (laughs) you ready to do something that's dumb and something that we love? Yes, I'm so ready for awesome. it. Awesome. Well, I was going to say for something that's dumb was the fact that I am now finding myself allergic to everything. But but Steve Harvey is going to help us with that. But Steve Harvey will help with that. But yeah. I guess to piggyback off your story, something dumb, obviously you guys all, I've talked about it before on the podcast that suicide it has affected my family um, several family members have committed suicide. My A lot of people in my family battle with depression, and I've had a friend try to commit. It's a, like suicide, I take it very seriously. Obviously, we want to tell everyone if you're feeling that way, please get help immediately. It's really important to get help and reach out. Also, if you're considering doing it, please understand how much it, like, destroys your family. Yeah, like, and, it, it's and just, if, you're,
1: if it's something that, like, reach out to us. Like, yeah. We would love to talk to you. Yeah. Um, if you don't have anyone, you know, or whether you do or if you just don't want to, t- you don't feel comfortable talking to your family members, like Jen and I are accessible. Please yes. talk to us.
0: The National Suicide Prevention Line currently is 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. Uh-huh. Also talk. Or reach out to a loved one or feel free to email us as well. Yeah. At, uh, DumbLovePod at gmail.com.
1: Yeah, and we check it all the time, so um, we are available
0: and, um, and
1: check in on your friends. And yes, then, yeah,
0: check in on people. And so for um, something I love, I'm going to do a complete turnaround here. And okay, so who watches the Great British baking show? You know I do <laughs> British Bake Off. <laughs> um, I know I love it so much, but oh, so there was recently rumors that Henry was dating Alice. So this is show? like the la-
1: the latest um series. Yeah, yeah.
0: So Henry, they said that Henry Bird was dating Alice. Feveronia, uh-huh. but when blogs were trying to dig deeper into that, they found she was like, "No, no, no, I'm not dating him. He's dating Michael. Yeah, Chuck I think that's how you say his last name, but yeah. we just call him Michael on the we show. Michael. So Henry and Michael are actually dating, and there's all these cute pictures of them baking together and hugging, and they're just so cute, and it's so exciting. They make the cutest couple ever. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just, I just love that. I, I, I like, love that. I was so excited. Jen said it right
1: before we started recording and I was like, oh
0: my God. Like. I know. <laughs> well, uh, good luck to the happy couple because they're adorable. They are adorable. I hope adorable. they make some delicious treats together. Yeah. Forever. Oh my gosh.
1: What if they opened a bakery? What if they
0: bake their wedding cake together? <gasps> oh my gosh. That would be great. Oh, maybe Alice will bake their wedding cake so they don't have to work on their wedding day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Or Whatever. <laughs> Do whatever you
1: want. Do whatever you want. Um. So let's see. So I think my dumb thing is just, yeah, my mom's health has just continued to be no. a struggle. Sorry. Just burping, not crying. Oh.
0: it was like, a burp or laugh or a cry. Are you laughing? <laughs> that Jeez. A, that was
1: a carrot stuck in my throat. Um, so my mom's health has just continued to be a struggle. But she's just, you know... She really is taking it in such stride, and like has continues to have like a sense of humor. It's just pretty amazing. I think you know she she actually some days she's like having she can talk and communicate, and some days she can't. But yeah, um, we just went down to see her, and the first day she was telling me, you know, like I'm 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 in this for a fight. Like I'm here, and I want to do this. Like, I want to be around to see my grandkids grow up. Oh, and I'm that's like, yes, great. we want that too, you yes. know. So I think she has a long road of hetero to, like, recover. But um, I'm just, like, really proud of, like, how she is dealing with it all. Because it's it, – I mean, she's just as being – it's horrible.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so anyway, so that's dumb. And, and, yeah, that's dumb. And the thing that I love that I was going to say before you even said your thing that you love was just that there are new – great british making holiday editions
0: i know we've already watched them all yeah we watch yeah there's only three episodes
1: yeah <laughs> we've watched one and we'll continue it just is like i i don't want to watch them all right away because i think i love them so much and they bring me such joy i know and I need them to just, I need there to just continually be episodes every week.
0: I know. They're just, uh, the, it's just so warming. I yeah. I just love it. And it Ben makes makes is so like, happy. I think
1: it's so funny that you love it so much and you never bake. And I was like, I know, but I watch it so I don't have to bake.
0: Exactly. It's just pretty to look at. Yeah.
1: And I read that there is going to be a there is going be a Dairy Girls edition of Great British Baking Show.
0: Really? Which have I've you watched heard great it? things about that show, but I have not watched it oh, yet. It's so great. You would love
1: it. Really? Okay. Yeah. I think you would really like it. Yeah. So anyway, so I'm excited about that. So is awesome. the thing I love. Hell yeah. Mm. I also love that we have been talking for an hour uh, and my
0: kid has not made a peep and he's sitting. I know. I kind of wanted to invite him over here for a quick meow meow.
1: Meow. This is like our version of my favorite murder when they get. um, Oh right, they have. Oh
0: that's right, I totally forgot. She has her her cat at the end of the Elvis. Yeah,
1: Elvis, you want a cookie? Can you say Max? You want a cookie? Can you say meow meow? Meow meow. Oh, you're so um, cute. Can you say listen to dumb love? Can you say dumb love? Okay, perfect. Okay, fine. You did great, Max. (laughs) You did great. Good job, buddy. Meow. All right. Okay. <laughs> anyway, you guys, thank you so much for listening. And yes. for coming back every week and for telling your friends about us. Um, make sure you to follow us, follow us on all the social medias. We're all at Dumb Love Podcast. And our email is dumblovepod at gmail.com.
0: And thank you, guys. Yeah. Now get out there and go do something dumb for love. Dumb, da-dum, dumb, dumb, dumb. Dum da dum da dum dum da dum Dum da dum da dum da dum da dum